and to receive what the Lord has for us from the Word of God today. Amen. Now I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Psalms, if you would. Psalm number 40. Psalm number 40. Amen. We're going to, I'm going to share some things from this psalm with you this morning. Um, uh, before we take communion today and uh, remind us, to remind us of what Jesus, excuse me, what Jesus has done for us. And I don't think um, that we can talk about this too much, about our redemption. They sang, the worship team led us today to sing about our redemption We are the redeemed of the Lord. And thank God for that. And every time that we partake of the Lord's Supper, it is to be a reminder to us of the cross and the price that Jesus paid there, that we have this redemption and eternal life that we have today through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, He said, as often as you... As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. You show the Lord's death until He comes. So in the book of Psalms, I'm going to share some things with you. I'm going to read Psalm 40, verses 1 through 8. Verses 1 through 8 this morning. Amen. Psalm 40, verse 1. A psalm of David, and he says this. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. I like that. And set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Remember the old camp meeting song, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burn offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I want to call your attention this morning to that second and third verse is where verses 2 through 5 is where the majority of this of this message is going to come from today. But verse 2, he said, He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, established my steps. 
And then verse 3 said, And has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. And I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments on from the mire to the choir. He's brought us out of the mire and put us into the choir. Put a new song in our mouth. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. We ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to just give us your help to deliver that which you've laid upon our hearts, to preach and teach to your people this morning. Lord, may we always be mindful of what you have done for us at Calvary. And today we look to you. We give you praise and thanksgiving that you, for what you've done for us in bringing us out of that horrible pit and bringing us into the family of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Psalm number 40 has always been one of my favorite psalms, but Psalm 40 has been called by some the autobiography of Jesus because Psalm 40 is a messianic psalm and it does depict the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm would probably fit in as a good Christmas message as well because um, it talks about the coming of our Savior. He said, I delight. He said, I have come in the volume of the books. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. So it talks about the coming of Jesus in those verses 6 through 8. But not only is it a messianic psalm that speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus to this earth to be our Savior, to die and to be resurrected, but Psalm 40 could also be called the autobiography of the believer because it is a story that every one of us today who are saved could tell because this psalm depicts our past life. It shows us our past life where we were and it also then shows us our present life to where we are now and where God has brought us to. I don't know about any of the rest of you, but I'm glad today I'm not where I was, but I'm where Jesus has got me now. Can I get an amen? But this psalm tells us how we have been brought out of the mire and set in the choir. And there's no story that's as thrilling or as stirring as the story that we can tell about a sinner that was in the mire and in the pit that's now become a singer in the choir singing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All of God's children, now I've said this before, all of God's children are singers. Not all of them need a microphone, but all of them are singers. Amen. I was singing here this morning in the sanctuary before anybody got here bright and early this morning. I was uh, in here praying and worshiping the Lord and, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord was moving. I just broke out in song. I looked around, make sure nobody's here to hear that. And it might, have not have sound, it might not have sounded very good to anybody who may have walked in and heard it, but I, I just have a reason to believe it sounded good to Jesus. Why was I singing? I got something to sing about because he brought me out of that miry clay, set my feet on the solid rock, and he's put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise, hallelujah, amen. And I hope you feel that same way today. And that's the greatest story that I know of that could be told today of how he's brought us 
out of that miry quagmire of sin and brought us to the Lord Jesus Christ and changed our life, completely changed our life. And that is the story of Psalm 40. That's what we see in Psalm 40. Someone said, Someone said, you know, had our greatest need been information, then God would have sent us an educator. If man's greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If, God, if man's greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. If it had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But the fact is that man's greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent a Savior. And I'm glad that he sent a Savior. Amen? Hallelujah. And my story today is a story uh, of a soul that was sinking in the mire of sin, but now is singing in the choir. That I can sing the song of the redeemed because of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And I, I hope that everybody here can say the same thing this morning, that all of us here at Abundant Life Family Church this morning can, can shout and can say what David said in Psalm 103 when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who has redeemed our life from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Thank God for what the Lord has done in our life. I believe that we can all this morning stand and sing, this is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Why? Because I have the blessed assurance that Jesus Christ has saved me and he is mine. Can you say amen? I'm about to get excited, amen? So Psalm 40 is a story of, 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 of an individual, of David, sinking in the mire, but now God has picked him up and changed his situation and put a song in his heart and life. And when we look at this 40th Psalm, we see in verse 2 there was a terrible, the terrible condition that the psalmist was in. Now David was going through a terrible time in his life at this particular, at the time of the writing of this psalm. We're not sure what it was, but we know that he had been pursued by Saul. He had went through such a terrible time, and he referred to the circumstances and the situation of his life as being in a horrible pit. But in the spiritual aspect, it also refers to a grievous, terrible condition that all of us found ourselves in at one time in our life. And that was being in that horrible pit called sin. And, and listen to me this morning, saints. Um, sin is a horrible pit. We need to understand that. The word pit is used, that word pit is used throughout various places in the Old Testament, in the Scriptures. It was used in Jeremiah to describe a, a dungeon that Jeremiah was put in. He was lowered down into a, a, a pit, into an old cistern, and the Bible said that Jeremiah, when he was put in that pit, he sunk down into the mire, and it was used of a prison or a dungeon. Another place in the book of Psalms, that, that, that term pit was used for a place where wild beasts were, were, were snared and caught and, and, and trapped. It was a place for wild beasts. Another place in the book of Psalms refers to the pit as being the grave. But in this text, in Psalm 40, the, the word here used for pit is used to describe the pit that we found ourselves in 
before the Lord saved us. That horrible pit of sin. See, listen to me. Before you were saved, before I was saved, I want to talk a little bit about our past life because, you know, we don't live in the past, but it's always good, I think, to just remember where we were and where God's brought us from and where He's brought us to. And so, before we were saved, before you were saved, before I were saved, we were all in the same situation. Uh, We were all slaves to sin, slaves to Satan, and slaves to ourselves. Sin holds people in bondage. Paul described it in Ephesians chapter 2 and says in Ephesians chapter 2 that before we were saved that we were dead in trespasses and sin, that we walked according to the course of this world, according to the to the prince of the power of the air. Um, we, were, we were like all the children of disobedience. We were bound by sin and that sinful nature had complete, a complete control of our lives and a total grip on our lives. I don't know how many times there was that, that I thought, well, I, I, I can quit this sin in any time I want to. But I found out that was not the case because sin is a horrible pit that holds holds that individual in captivity and in bondage. And there's no way that anybody can free themselves from that horrible pit of sin. That's what David was describing here. The fact that sin had bound and binds the individual and Satan makes us slaves and servants of sin. And so the psalmist describes that condition as being a horrible pit. And the word horrible, you know, you think about that. He didn't say that he was just in a pit. He said the pit that he was in was a horrible pit. A horrible place is a very unpleasant place. It's a very dreadful place. But that word horrible in the Hebrew speaks of a roaring sound. It, it literally means the pit of noises. And somebody would say, well, what does, what does, what's he talking about being in a noisy pit or a pit of noises? I, I like the way uh, Adam Clark in his commentary, Adam Clark defines it as, as a sounding pit where nothing was heard except the howling of wild beasts or the hollow sounds of winds as they reverberated from the craggy sides. See, the horrible pit reminds us of how sin haunted us before we were saved. There was the howling, there was the howling of a sinful conscience. Conscience. And I think we all can remember how we were before we got saved. The guilt that 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 was on us, especially when the Spirit of God was dealing with us about our sinful condition, that guilt of sin that haunted us like a bloodhound on the trail of an escaped convict, the feelings that we had of guilt that would dog our conscience every waking moment. See, I can remember before I got saved that horrible pit of sin. I can remember the slavery that I was in. I can remember the dirty, despicable feeling that I had. I can remember the guilty conscience that hounded me, the fear of dying, the fear of not waking up uh, the next morning, but dying sometime in the night and waking up up in the flames of hell. Those fears were there. That guilt was there and it was real. It haunted me day and night. Listen, it was a horrible pit. It was a horrible place. And can I tell you something?
something this morning. There is no heavier burden today than the burden of sin. There's no greater misery than the misery of sin. And there's no deeper despair than the despair of sin that individuals are bound in. Sin is a horrible, horrible experience. How many can agree with that? And the sinner is so deceived and blinded that they don't realize the condition that they're in. They need the light. I've heard people say, well, you don't have to tell the unsaved that they're sinners because they already know that. Well, I believe that we must tell them because the Bible says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and there is none righteous, no, not one. And that lost person needs to know that they are a sinner and that they cannot save themselves. But thank God somebody did come to pay the price on the cross so that they can be liberated and freed from their sin. See, the alcoholic doesn't have to be bound by alcohol. The drug addict doesn't have to be enslaved to drugs anymore. Amen. The, 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 those that are hooked on pornography don't have to be bound by that slavery in that horrible pit anymore because Jesus came to bring us out of that and to set us free. That is what Calvary is all about. Amen. But the grip that sin held us is described by the psalmist. He said it was a horrible pit, but... He described it not only as a pit, but he said it was miry clay. The miry clay describes the sludge that collects in the bottom of that well or that cistern that they would put people in. And in the bottoms of those unused cisterns, they were uh, usually was filled with a deep, slimy, clinging mud that was like quicksand. And when someone was in that pit, it, that, that, that mire would, would pull that individual deeper and deeper into its grasp. There was, you know, you've seen the old movies, watched the old jungle movies years ago where the, you know, the guy would get in the quicksand and the more he tried to get out, the faster he would go down. There wasn't any way he could get himself out. And that's what's being described here in Psalm 40 as this mire that's in the bottom of that pit. It was like a quicksand that pulled that person deeper into its grasp. And so it's a picture of how sin holds an individual. And the more that they struggle to get free and the more they desire to get free, the deeper and the deeper they would sink. See, sin is, I guess you could say sin is like the Alcatraz of the soul. Because sin imprisons and an escape is humanly impossible. And that's what people have to realize, see, because there's so many people today that think, well, you know, I can just quit anytime I want to. I can, I can just turn over a new leaf. I can change anytime I want to. But, but, but that's not the case because sin is a, is a, is a condition of, of, of impossibility to escape in any way by anything that you or I can do. Nobody can free themselves from sin. And if that was the case, if there was something that we could do, if there was some 12-step program we could go through, if there was something that we could do to free us from sin, Jesus would have never had to come and die. Jesus would have never had to shed his blood. But the reason he did come was because we were in that horrible pit, in that mire, held in that quick.
quicksand of sin and there was no way how, no matter how much we struggled or tried, we could not free ourselves from that pit of sin. See, sin never promotes us up. Sin always pulls us down. Sin never elevates. Sin only isolates. It never lifts us. It only lowers us. Somebody has said, and it's been said many times, and it is so true that sin will always take us farther than we want to go. It'll keep us longer than we want to stay, and it'll cost us more than we want to pay. It's that miry clay here in Psalm 40 that's the picture of someone in a condition that they could not get themselves out of. And the more they struggled, the more they tried, the deeper and the deeper they would go into it. See, this is a picture of the individual who tries to do better. They try a little bit of religion. They want to turn over a new leaf. But the more they try, the more they fail. Has anybody ever experienced that? I mean, sometimes, you, you even experience it at times after you get saved. There's some, some kind of a besetting sin that you're struggling with and dealing with and trying to free yourself from and trying to overcome by your own willpower. But can I tell you something today? That there's not enough willpower to overcome that besetting sin that you're struggling with. You have to have the Lord Jesus Christ to pull you up out of that mire. You cannot free yourself, but praise God, He can set you free from it. Well, praise the Lord. A couple of people are happy about that. Sin is a mire that will suck you down like quicksand and hold you. And if we would stop right here, man, that's not a pretty picture. But sadly, that is the picture of everybody outside of Jesus. And that is the picture of all of us before Jesus came into our life. But thank God, you know, as Paul Harvey said, there is the rest of the story. The psalmist said, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. Those are some of the most thrilling words in the Bible to me because it gives us a picture here not only of our condition, but it gives us a picture of what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus, according to these verses, and the way this reads, Jesus made a descent into the pit to bring you and I out of the pit. Now, now you you got to catch this this morning. Amen? Because this, these verses, this verse here, verse, verse, verse 1 and 2, says that He brought me up out of, out of the miry clay. So, it, it says that He brought us up out of. It does not say, and I want you to notice this, because I think this is very important. It doesn't say that He, that he pulled me out. It says that He brought me out. It doesn't say that He threw me a lifeline or threw me a rope and pulled me up. 
But it says that he brought me up out of the miry clay. I, I don't know if you're getting this or not, amen? He brought me up. So it's not an image just of an outstretched hand or of a rope, Lord, to pull the helpless victim out of the pit. But David said that the Lord brought him up out of there. So what he was saying here, the picture is that when he could not help himself and when he could not get out of the pit for himself, that the Lord didn't just throw him a lifeline, but the Lord came down into the very pit where he was with him and picked him up and brought him out of the miry clay and out of the pit of sin. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. He got down in the pit with him and brought him up. My, what a picture that is. That's what we've been talking about all month long is about Jesus coming down here and being born, being born as that babe in the manger God becoming man, coming down into this old sin-cursed world to bring us up out of the pit. He came to where we were, amen. Thanks be to God when I was sinking in that pit that Jesus came and got me out of the pit. See, he knows the way out and he is the way out. Can I get an amen? He came to where we were. He left the glory place to come to the gory place. He left the wonders of heaven to come to the, to the woes of earth and left the splendor to come to the place of sin. That splendor of heaven to come down here to bring us up to where we need to be and to lift us out out of that pit. He came into, Jesus came into the muck and the mire of the sinful world to help poor, lost, helpless, hopeless people like you and me out of that pit of sin. The sinless Son of God came down into the pit with us to bring us out. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. I remember the day when the Lord Jesus Christ brought me up out of that pit and that miry clay and set my feet upon the rock. Now listen. He not only got into the pit with us, in which He did, and that's the thing about Jesus, He became identified with us. We've been talking about that about all month, the identification that he made with us. He became a man, never, never at one time ceasing to be God. He became man. He went to the cross and at Calvary took our sin upon himself, still retaining his spotless righteousness, his deity, he never sinned. He was the pure, spotless Lamb of God, lived a perfect life, but yet became identified with us at Calvary and took our sin upon Him so that He could pay the price for our redemption. So He came to where we were and, and not only got in the pit with us, but He brought us, notice the terminology, He brought us up, out of the pit and set our feet upon the rock. Up and out. 
of the pit and set our feet upon the rock. In verse one, he said, David said, I I waited patiently upon the Lord and the Lord heard my cry. See, God not only heard him, but God helped him and he came to where he was and brought him up out of that pit of sin. And we were in that particular same place, apart from God, away from God. Sin had literally destroyed our fellowship with God, our relationship with God, and we couldn't get to God because of that sin. Our sin cried out for a solution, and the solution could only be found in the Savior. That was the only way, that was the only hope for everyone to be saved. He brought us out. That old song says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Praise God. Somebody ought to shout amen. Now safe am I. Are you glad he came to where you were and pulled you out of that life of sin and changed your life? But there was such a glorious change that he makes in us. And and the psalmist David gives us here, talks about the marvelous change and the blessings that are bestowed upon us now that we've been brought out of the pit. In those verses he said that we've been brought up, cleaned up, set up. It's a set up held up and tuned up. Five things he did for us in those verses. We're brought up, cleaned up, set up, held up and tuned up. Listen, if it wouldn't be, have been for him, we'd still be in that pit today. We'd still be sinking deeper and deeper. I hate to think where I would have been if Christ had not come down in the mess that I was in and pulled me up and brought me up out of that. But he brought us up and cleaned us up and set us up and now he's tuned us up. Amen? He set our feet upon the solid rock to stay. We have been set on the rock. No more in the miry clay, but now on a firm foundation. And he's established our goings and established our ways. Thank God there's been a total change. Are you glad that you're not in the miry clay, but you're on the rock to stay? Amen. I heard about an elderly lady that got in a city that got on a bus and she sat down by a bunch of teenage kids that had the rock music play and they had the rock and roll play and they was playing real loud, blasting and blaring. And the, the elderly lady sat there and, uh, and she said, you know what? She said to, to those kids, she said, I, uh, I'm into rock and roll too. And they looked at her and they said, no kidding, you are? You're into rock and roll? She said, I sure am. She said, my feet are on the rock and my name is on the roll. (laughs) Praise God. I'm into it too, amen? I'm glad that my feet are on the rock today and my name is on the roll that Jesus came into my life. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me. He brought us up and cleaned us up and set us up and now He's tuned us up. And verse 3 said that He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. And many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. See, Jesus took us out of the mire and put us into the choir. 
That means he's given us something to sing about. I I got something to sing about today. He's put a new song in my mouth. I'm not, 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 no more am I singing um, uh, old lonesome me. Not singing there's a tear in my beer for I'm crying for you dear. Come on somebody. But now I'm singing he set me free. I'm singing I've been cleansed. I've been washed. I've been sanctified. Hallelujah. I'm Holy Ghost filled and water baptized. He puts a new song in our mouth. He changes our life totally and completely. Takes us out of the mire and puts us in the choir. Come on, somebody. Everywhere we go, we are to sing it and to shout it and to share it. We are to tell of the glorious day that Jesus brought us out of the pit. Tell everybody that we know, everybody that we come in contact with, that Jesus has picked us up out of the pit and set us on that solid rock. Amen. Some have the idea today that to be saved, to be a Christian, to live for Jesus, uh, you know, that it's to give up uh, uh, all of your fun and you don't enjoy life anymore. It's just to live a life of, 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 of sadness and disappointment. But I'm telling you, the best life, the greatest life that anybody could live is to live for Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, Jeff made the best decision that he'll ever make in his life, accepting Jesus. Jesus Jesus came right down today and picked him up out of that pit. Amen. He felt, he said he felt it. He felt the change take place. That's the new birth that takes place in our life. Amen. And so, you know, I, I, I enjoy life. Life is so much more enjoyable today knowing Jesus than it was when I was lost and undone without Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, you can't drink anymore. Well, you know, I drink all I want to. Amen. I drink all I want to. The fact is, when he, when he saved my soul, I, he took the want to away. But, I, but I'll go a little step farther and say this. I still do drink. I just don't drink of the spirits that come in a bottle. I drink of the new wine, of the joy of the Holy Ghost today. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Amen. Somebody said, well, you just can't enjoy the pleasure of the world. I'm going to tell you something my friend. The pleasures of this world are just for a brief moment in season but there is something that will last throughout eternity. I have been made a child of almighty God by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's something to be excited about today. Amen. I know people say, you Pentecostals, you, you folks get too riled up. You get too emotional. But, uh, you know, we want a preacher that stands still and talks quiet. But I can't help getting a little bit emotional when I think about all the Lord has done for me, how he saved me, how he changed me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. It makes me want to shout just a little bit and praise him because I'm not in the pit no more, but I'm standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ my Lord with a new song in my heart and in my mouth. Come on, amen. Oh, let me close this up. Listen to what he says here. Verse number five. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. 
If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. What's he saying there? He's talking about what the Lord has done for him now that he's picked him up out of the pit. David begins to think about the blessings of God, about what all the Lord had done for him. And he said, Lord, your your wonderful works are so many which you have done. Your thoughts cannot cannot be recounted to you in order. They're more than I can number. And he begins to think about the blessings of God. And David just puts down his pen because he couldn't even begin to list the number of blessings that God had given to him. They were beyond his ability to count. And there's times I feel that way. You know, people say, well, I, you know, I don't know what to say when I pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say to the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you would just get in the presence of the Lord and you would just begin to count your blessings and just begin to thank the Lord for everything He's done for you, you'll find out like David that they're more than you can imagine, more than you can count. Well, some people say, well, God hadn't done anything for me much. I've not had a very good year. He hasn't blessed me much. Well, can I tell you something? If you have been pulled up out of that pit and you're not in sin and you've been saved, you've got enough, you've got more than enough to thank God and praise God for today. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. We, we can't count up all the, the, the many blessings. He took us out of that mire. He, he put us in that choir. Once we were sighing, but now we're singing. Once we were wrapped in the rags of sin and, and uncleanness and ungodliness. But thank God today, He's picked us up and clothed us in the robe of His spotless righteousness. No longer sinners sinking in despair, but now recipients of the blessings of God that cannot be numbered and cannot be imagined more than tongue a tongue can tell amen of all the lord has done for us and this lord's supper is to remind us of all that he has done for us and everything that he's done for us and that we receive from him comes to us because of what he did at Calvary's cross. Amen. The blood that was shed, his body that was whipped and was beaten and was hung on that cross. All is to, this supper is to remind us that he brought us out of the mire and into the choir, out of the pit and into sonship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Ushers, would you come this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. We are going to serve the communion elements, and um, we ask that everybody please hold the communion elements until... Everyone has been served, and we will um, partake together this morning. Hallelujah. As you receive the bread and the juice, it's a time, 
It's a time of examination. It's a time for us, as the Scripture tells us, to search our hearts, to make sure that we are partaking of this supper, rightly discerning the Lord's body, rightly understanding what it's all about. There's no salvation in communion. You guys go ahead and can go ahead and serve the people. No salvation in taking the bread and the juice. But we must remember what it's all about and rightly discern what it represents. And as we receive it, we're not putting faith in a cup of grape juice and in a wafer, but we're putting our faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done for us to pick us up, to pull us out and giving Him thanks for that and praise for it. As you partake of this supper today, as I said, it's a time to examine yourself. Sometimes people won't take communion because they think because they say, well, I've got something in my heart that's not right. Well, what you're supposed to do is confess that and repent of that and ask forgiveness and claim the benefits of the cross and the blood of Jesus to get that washed away. Then partake of the communion elements. So let's take a moment to contemplate, to think about the Lord, to search our hearts, to ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to examine us today. Would you do it? Thank you, Jesus.